Tuning into Latino Politics and News with Tony Diaz on 90.1 FM, KPFT, Houston, Texas. The era of Hispandering is over. Thank you so much for tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say in conjunction with Latino Politics and News. I'm your host, Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. Of course, you will experience the video on fox26houston.com. You will listen to the audio on 90.1 FM KPFT, Houston's community station. And of course, we also like to reach you in person. We're going to start this off on social media. But more importantly, we want to make sure that we bring you the deepest look into what's going on in the Latino community today. Well, really happy to get a chance to chat with City Council Representative from San Antonio, Terry Castillo. First of all, saludos. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really, really a pleasure to have you here. This is your first term. I want to talk about how a Latina elected official can really shape what services get to our community. I'm hoping we inspire some Latinas to run. Perhaps we can shed light on what elected officials do. Perhaps this will inspire folks to get involved with elections and get more information out about what's going on in the community. We're joined by our co-host, of course, Rodrigo Bravo Jr., who is always helping us on the level of sound engineer, but love to have you. I'd love to have your face on the screen <laughs> with us. So, Rodrigo, thanks for helping set this up and for joining us today, Rodrigo. Super, super excited to have uh, Councilwoman Terry Castillo with us right now. I think she's one of the leading figures when it comes to progressive policies, not only in San Antonio, but Texas at large. Very uh, happy to be here to help facilitate the conversation, Tony. And speaking of Latina power, shout out to our multi-platform producer, Roxana Guzman, who is always helping us with graphics and making sure this show runs right and helping us with all the details that lead up to this. So thank you, Roxana. I will say one other thing. If you are tuning in to the radio broadcast, we want to remind you that KPFT is a community radio station. Instead of inserting commercials, instead of corporations telling us who to interview, who not to interview, we get to decide. But the station counts on listeners to donate. So we ask you, if you can, to visit kpft.org and make a donation in the names of our radio shows, Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say, and Latino Politics and News, just so that we can do our part to keep this great experiment and freedom of speech going. So let's dive in. I want to read your full bio, uh, Councilwoman Castillo, because I also want to give people tuning in a roadmap <laughs> to how to shape cities. So I do want to tell folks, Terry Castillo is a community organizer, so I love that. <laughs> and a historian, I love that even more, <laughs> of urban policy elected to represent 
San Antonio's District 5 with El Hueso, the West Side, <laughs> that represented your proud daughter of United States Navy veteran and migrant farm workers as a lifelong and generational resident of District 5, which I think is going to be important to touch on. You've committed to ensure our public money works for the people of San Antonio. You're a proud product of the public school systems, and you attended the San Antonio Independent School District's Burbank High School. You earned your Bachelor of Arts degree at the University of Texas at San Antonio and completed your clinical teaching at Fox Tech High School. That's fantastic that you bring that experience to the to City Hall, by the way. In 2019, you earned your master's degree in history with a focus in urban policy from the University of Texas at San Antonio. So, you know, we talk about the power of humanities, mm -hmm. intellectual, verdad? Yeah. And uh, since you've taken office, you've brought historic investment to the people of City, of City Council District 5, nearly doubling the amount of bond investment at $95.6 million. By the way, for young folks watching, want to major in humanities and they say what what money does it make you you tell them you know someone that's helped get a bond investment to the tune of 95.6 million dollars with that knowledge and you continue to pursue investment in basic infrastructure you've prioritized preserving and building affordable housing while moving with urgency to meet our city's climate goals you've built a district five team that makes a proactive approach responding to constituent needs ensuring that your offices goes out into the field, meeting people where they are, connecting residents to vaccinations, mortgage and rental relief, fire safety, and so much more, which is what I always imagine is the mandate of our elected officials, but it's not always the case. You serve on the chair of the West Side TERS, which our community members should know what that involves, because that's more public funds shaping mm -hmm. communities. And you also serve as a member of the City of San Antonio's Planning and Community Development Committee, Community Health, Environment, and Culture Committee, and the Economic and Workforce Development Committee. You live there on the west side, which you represent with your mm -hmm. husband and two dogs, Bam Bam and Pebbles. Shout out to Bam Bam and Pebbles, those, those cachorritos. <laughs> <laughs> You're there in the south side district by visiting your parents, walking your dogs at Rosedale Park. I'm, I'm happy to to share all that so people get a glimpse of you because now we're going to blow them away with some really amazing uh, facts and figures. So for un aplauso para usted first, por favor. Hey. And I personally want to thank you. Um, I have the honor and privilege of serving as the literary curator for the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. One of the only and I'm being generous. I think it's the only Latino bookstore in Texas. Mm -hmm. so, I'd like to hear if there's others. But you were there to celebrate the kickoff. Uh, why, why was it important for you to join us that day? Yes. Uh, again, thank you for having me. We were really excited to be there for the grand opening of the first Latino bookstore in the historic west side of San Antonio acknowledging that Latino history is U.S. history and knowing that there's a space that documents not only the history and work of Latinos in a historical context, but 
those who have written poetry, so on and so forth, to have a space dedicated to Latinos in the cultural hub of this city, which I argue is District 5 and the west side of San Antonio, is impactful for not only community members, but folks visiting San Antonio, right? We are a city of tourism and knowing that there's a space that we could point to, that they can grab a book that tells the history of Latinos, that they can grab a book written by Latino poets. It's powerful. And that's why I was really excited to be there with you and community to celebrate that kind of thing and letting folks know that there's this space in the heart of the West Side where you can get books uh, about Latinos written by Latinos uh, to tell that history and tell those, those stories. That's beautiful. And, and I mean, we've got two radio shows because Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers have no say, ostensibly is just about poetry and literature. But we know that art is entwined with politics, which you're living proof of. So this is also going to be part of our show, Latino Politics and News. And instead of just talking about the art and literature, which you know you love, you're an example of the power of education, I want to talk about some of the policies that you've touched that people may not realize leads to the Latino bookstore. So let's walk through some of that because the Latino bookstore, of course, isn't your typical commercial enterprise. It's in the campus of the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. So even, even infrastructure, okay? So some folks may say, okay, uh, you know, the councilwoman is on the Committee for Infrastructure, San Antonio, que bueno. That has nothing to do with the Latino bookstore. That's not a correct assessment. Can you break down the relationship between those different influences? I always argue that District 5 and the inner west side where the Latino bookstore sits is the cultural heartbeat of the city of San Antonio. The Latino bookstore is hugged by several nonprofit organizations, Esperanza Peace and Justice Center, CAC, San Antonio Cultural Arts. And one thing that's important about these nonprofit organizations is that they're accessible and free to community, students, and youth. But one thing that we play a role in as city council members is one, funding them as delegate agencies, so making sure that they receive some city support. But what's really key when you're talking about communities like the, the one I represent, it is health. So ensuring that my community members and our kids can safely walk to the Latino bookstore, can safely walk to the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center, so what we've done is secured funding for a Brussels corridor project to help repave the streets and make sure that our kids can safely walk there, seniors can walk there. So there's a lot of intertwined pieces, but one that's key is making sure that our kids that live in the neighborhood can safely walk to the library, to the bookstore, to the arts organization. Tu 
esto es una apuesta porque yo no te quita Y ese huérfanito necesita una mamá Ay, qué rico Como me pone peladito Ay, qué rico Ese besito dame lo bajito Ay, bendito Yo te pongo rapidito Bendito Tan rico papacito Estaba loca por probarte Sin Maldi no hay perreo Yo no apreté el ático como nadie la apretó Gatita mansa, pero gatita se me reveló Me dijo que el alcohol todo el miedo se lo quitó Que debajo la falda nadie sabe si usa No, ella lo que quiere, ella lo que sigue No me eches la culpa, yo te dije Que yo en verdad no está bien mirado Y a ti nadie te corrige Llega a la casa pa' que te cobije Que te quiero dar más saco de pa' que salga Que ya me lo tiene Cándote como te encanta el chimbote tú eres adicto Por probarte, darte los besitos yo Ojalá pueda quedarte Porque si me quedo yo Estaba loca por casarte Hacerte lo rico yo Ojalá pueda quedarte Porque aquí me quedo yo Cuando te And I think that is so essential, but folks in a more affluent zip code may take that for granted. And, and I will add one reason that we've used the metaphor of a book desert is because your corporate bookseller, and, and I'm not hating on them. I'm just pointing out a fact that, that you know, that's their tendency. They're going to create other bookstores in more affluent areas because it fits their marketing models. They know that the people they cater to live there. And I bring that up because in those nicer affluent areas where most of the bookstores are, they don't worry about crack sidewalks. Is it dangerous to walk? They take it for granted because that's, that's built into that. So I think it's powerful that you can attend to that as just one basic element to get people to the bookstore as well. So that's powerful. And to your point, right, about book deserts, right, recognizing that I represent the city's most economically poor city council district and this Latino bookstore sits in its most, our cities, if anything, the state's most economically poor census tract. Bringing that and putting it in the heart of the community is very powerful and impactful to the folks who currently live there. Thank you for bringing that up because those same statistics, I will, would keep a corporate bookseller away from the area. They're going to say, We're, we just can't, you know, um, we just can't survive as the bookstore. Um, and again, what's very different about the Latino bookstore is even the building, the historic Progreso building, part of that campus, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Guadalupe Cultural Center owns that 
that land, that building. So right there, they don't have to pay rent the same way a commercial enterprise would as well. So the health, the whole health of the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center is important just to be able to afford some of those, some of those books. What are some other aspects that people may not realize that, for example, you're on the cultural committee as well. The cultural committee, the community health and culture committee, we get briefed on when it comes to arts funding, uh, the Department of Human Services. Right now, a lot of updates around COVID and monkeypox. So making sure that we're tackling and addressing the overall health of the community, right? And again, that health includes having access to safe spaces, affordable books. It's been great serving on that committee. Um, within that committee, we've done a lot of work in ensuring that our senior centers receive the funding that they deserve for classes, right? Our seniors love their, their Zumba and their exercising classes. So we've been able to allocate funding for senior centers, as well as making sure that our youth commission has an opportunity to tell us as elected officials what their needs are and where to spend money. So I'm really proud that with the ARPA dollars, we as an office asked to ensure that our youth commission is given $100,000 to determine how they think youth can best use those dollars. So we recently voted on that a week ago, um, and now I'm looking forward to see what our youth decide on how to disperse that money to meet their needs. So these are real dollars helping real folks in an area that really can benefit from this. Mm -hmm. So it's fantastic that that you're bringing that to the table. And I mentioned all that so that if folks think that it doesn't matter if they run or not, it is important that they can do that. Um, I do want to touch on then, uh, obviously you care about art, culture, and um, different issues about identity. But mm -hmm. let me ask you this. I, I love that you have an advanced degree Tell us a little bit about that and what role you think your education played in your current leadership. It's definitely my education that has led me to public service. Uh, I was in community college, was there for a really long time, but I had a mentor that was like, Carrie, you need to transfer out of here. So luckily that, that mentor um, pushed me to apply. I applied to the University of Houston and UTSA, right? Those were the only ones. And I was really excited that I accepted UH had a conversation with my family, my dad said, oh, like, you know, we should probably stay in San Antonio. Anyway, decided to go to UTSA, where I knew I wanted to be a U.S. history teacher and a, a government teacher. So I went through that education program. My first semester, I took Latinos and Latinas in the U.S. And I'll never forget, because it's that one course that kept me in school. Wow. Um, my professor, Dr. Jerry Gonzalez, he's my academic godfather. Um, for our final project, he had us write a research paper, and he gave us a whole list of things we could write about. And I honed in on um, Latino education. And during my research, I was reading about the schools I went to, right? And it was also providing statistics, like students that attended this school within SCISD um, are less likely to go on to two-year. Once they get to two years, they're less likely to transfer. Right? I was just reading all these statistics and all this data, and I was like, oh, man, this makes sense. This is why like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> um, but it, it, I took that out as a challenge as well, right? I'm like, no, I'm going to like challenge those statistics. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be able to make. And then I completed my undergraduate degree. I did my student teaching. I was offered a, a teaching position where I was uh, doing my clinical teaching. I was encouraged by a couple of mentors to apply for graduate school. And I applied to two programs because my passion was always like culturally relevant pedagogy, uh, history. And I so I applied for history and educational leadership uh, master's program. 
one offered me more funding. <laughs> so that kind of helped with the decision. So I went real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went the history route. Uh, and that's where I honed in on uh, metropolitan history and the shaping and creation of cities. Learning that history of community and how these patterns of displacement have happened all throughout the U.S., right? It's not unique to San Antonio. Um, just really upset me. Uh, and that led me to some community organizing work around housing. That's been my academic background, but always focusing on Latino communities, uh, whether it's education, labor, or faith uh, has always been a, a passion and it's definitely shaped how I live today, but that's what got me here. <laughs> so many of our advocates have been doing and it's just wonderful to hear we, we have to have you back on just to vibe on that part of your brain because <laughs> it does fit the scenarios not just the san antonio not just in houston but all the cities where our communities exist right now so felicitaciones for that and uh, shout out to the mentors that got you through that mm -hmm. shout out to humanities yeah. super important fields right there mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna get rodrigo back in here and so we're going to shift now. We do want to talk about some of the more powerful policies that you have initiated and have caused a little bit of controversy. 
and we're we're used to that. <laughs> you know that that's what happens when you enlighten. When you enlighten, you're frightened. But that's good. Let's let's talk it out. But we're gonna ask some questions about that, and then we're gonna we're gonna close the show with the last segment, just about community cultural capital, mm-hmm. because you're touching on. Yes, it's wonderful you have this power now. Uh, you, it's wonderful you have that knowledge, but it's all because you're from our community. I think it's wonderful that we're having this conversation, Tony, because it does fit into a lot of the work that you've done, especially when it comes to self-determination, when it comes to our education. A lot of times the history that we're taught, the curriculum that's given to our students and to even us growing up didn't really really reflect us. And Mm -hmm. I think Councilwoman Terry Castillo just shared something very poignant that it wasn't until she saw herself in those studies, in the, in the research she was doing that she really felt, wow, this is affecting our community. Uh, And with that said, I think some of the points that have been brought up recently regarding our community do need to be expressed. And Tony mentioned how maybe there have been some controversies, but I think it's actually to a public benefit because we're finally talking about it. One of the things that really uh, came down recently was the Supreme Court ruling regarding Roe versus Wade. And I know that many cities and many states put their hands up and Mm -hmm. said, oh, there's nothing that we can do. But Councilwoman Terry Castillo, you actually proposed a resolution supporting women's health. Many folks saw it more as performative when when others said it was solidarity. Can you kind of tell us what the resolution said, what it did, and why it was important? Yes. So for folks not familiar with San Antonio government, we function as a a city manager, city council form of government. So essentially, we have the city manager who functions as the CEO and the council members were the board. So what our office put forward was a resolution that would direct the city to not use any city funds to document information or report information on any individual seeking or performing an abortion. So meaning that we wouldn't allocate or task our police department to arrest or prosecute anyone for accessing health care. And in the city of San Antonio, by putting forth and passing the resolution, we have directed our city manager, our CEO, that we are not going to use any public dollars to have police investigate, track, or document anything that has to do with abortion, um, so while some have argued uh, it's performative, we, we essentially directed the CEO that this is not a priority for us and we're not going to put our money here, which is a huge priority. And at the same time, the resolution also directed the city manager with the next legislative agenda that we prioritize reproductive health care and access to health care. These are directions and priorities that we're now going to take as a city letting folks throughout the city and Texas know that we're not going to arrest you here. We're seeking health care and we're not going to arrest the doctor for performing what they were uh, obligated to. I, I think it's been very powerful letting people know that this is going to be priority for the next legislative agenda. Our city lobbyist is going to advocate for reproductive health care rather than not included on the agendas. That was the debate. And we were successful in passing that. And again, now our city manager is directed to not put any funding towards criminalizing women for seeking health care. I think that's so important. And thank you so much for clarifying that. It is important that the city of San Antonio and our elected officials do stand in solidarity with women and their Mm -hmm. choice and their women's health. Mm -hmm. I know that the state of Texas has certain laws that the attorney general has already said they are willing Mm -hmm. to enforce. And so by taking the lead on that, uh, Councilwoman Terry Castillo, you're, you're doing a phenomenal job with that. I just wanted to commend you for that. 
the approval for a purchase of a military style vehicle for the San Antonio SWAT. Uh, and you and fellow council member Jalen McKee Rodriguez voted no. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the message that the city of San Antonio Police Department and law enforcement organizations across the nation are sending to our communities when they're saying, hey, we need military style vehicles to successfully police our communities. Yeah, as you all know, what we've seen throughout the nation is the continued militarization of our police department. So we're purchasing and matching grants to buy this military grade equipment that we often see used within our communities, right? And what I pointed to in that debate is that the city of Austin uh, is currently settling over $20 million of lawsuit for using similar equipment to disfigure protesters. And during the debate, I wanted commitment from the chief that this equipment would not be directed or used at a protest. And we didn't get that commitment. So I didn't feel uh, comfortable approving something that I knew could potentially be used against protesters. And as we know, uh, my colleague pointed to a Princeton University study that shows that oftentimes this military equipment is used on communities of color. That was something that I opposed. And then we went on to the conversation around the police budget, and we know that there are models that are community-centered and provide care for community um, that do not always require police. And uh, again, there's a STAR program in Denver that it's clinicians, EMS, social workers that work case by case to provide people what they need. Because we know what our constituents and community want to see is for us to reduce crime, not just respond to crime. And in order to reduce crime, you need to meet people where they are with the resources that they need. Again, there are models um, that are being used throughout the U.S. And here locally, we do have SA Stand Up, um, which essentially is folks who have been impacted by the system, who go out into community and build relationships to minimize crime. Um, But again, when we look at the imbalance of how much we continue to give to our police department versus those on the ground, uh, innovative solutions, it's drastic. It's a huge contrast. And we need to continue having the conversation about how do we scale up these programs that we know work and and reduce violence on our communities. Because we know how the the interactions oftentimes that that communities of color have with police uh, versus more white affluent uh, individuals. So th- there are programs that are working. Uh, we just need to continue having that conversation to scale up what's working uh, rather than divesting from those uh, very impactful programs like SE Stand Up and the STAR program. One thing that I love, Councilwoman, is we're having these conversations finally. These conversations haven't happened before in a lot of the city councils, Houston as well, uh, Dallas, Austin, but we're finally having them. And I think that's something that's new to folks. This brings up the last point that I wanted to bring up and something that I actually was very adamant about on one of my social media accounts where the local newspaper actually criticized you and your colleague, council member Jalen McKee Rodriguez for not being successful about the progressive policies that y'all are pursuing. And I found it very interesting because if we're talking about having the conversation, these conversations have never happened before. And the Mm -hmm. fact that we're actually having them now, and they're actually in the forefront of the conversation, I think that's a win myself. And so I wanted to ask you this, why do you think progressives, especially here in Texas, are met so critically? And is Texas really ready for 
progressive policies. Yeah, and for the record, that paper didn't endorse me twice. (laughs) (laughs) But but, right, I I think it's important to point to that, you know, we brought material impact to our communities. And I want to point to the 2022 bond that the voters approved because when we started that debate, my district, District 5, was at the very bottom of the funding bracket. We were at the bottom three. And through great debate and putting forward a memo, right, to have a special meeting with two senior council members who are more conservative, we were successful at calling for that meeting and having a really good debate about making sure that we're investing in our communities and not pet projects. But by the end of that debate, our office nearly doubled the 2017 investment. We went from $0 for drainage for over $25 million for drainage. And we secured more funding than any other city council district. And these are material wins for our community. But that gets minimized. Why? I I don't know. Um, But also pointing to beyond that, uh, with policy, our office put forth a demolition mitigation pilot program because prior to being in office, I did housing, community organizing, and we knew that our neighbors were being given uh, issued notices to vacate and were having their homes demolished at a crazy rate. The University of Texas at Austin put out a study that had found the city of San Antonio was issuing notices to vacate and demolishing homes at a higher rate than any other city uh, in the state of Texas. And our office was ahead of it with that demolition mitigation pilot program. So uh, again, right, I, I, I believe it's because we're securing um, material investment and wins for working everyday people and not the people who want to use our communities for their pet projects and for their benefit. And I think that's why we get put in this box of we're not productive, but we're, we've made historic investment. But to your question of are people ready for progressive uh, representation? And I say absolutely. Um, we continue to hear it in our community and outside. We have volunteers from different districts who come and say, you know, we want to support your office and your community. How can we help? And that's powerful that we're pulling in from outside of our district because people want representation uh, that reflects and echoes their concerns. It's tough when you're going against media and you're going against so much money, the real estate industry and big business, but it's not impossible. Droga, se pone coqueta, prende y enrola, ella se descontrola, se pone coqueta, bailando me provoca, quiere de mí. Entramos en candela cuando suena la bocina, bailando, mi morena es una asesina, whisky con chela es la medicina, la yeca es mi escuela, llegó el que domina, andamos de fiesta en la calle, nos vamos para la disco, nos vamos para el baile, te voy a robar cuando la party se acabe, me dice que le gusta, me dice que no pare, saca la suave, nada más no se trabe, que apenas no creo que se acabe Grita a tus amigas porque a mi clica me traje Fúmale, fúmale que el efecto no se baje Ella lo que quiere, quiere de mi flor Lentes oscuros, mala situación Nos vamos de pasón con tequila y ron Seguimos alocados, no termina el fiestón Quiere de mi dro, dro, droga Se pone coqueta, prende y enrola Ella se descontrola, dro, trola Se pone coqueta, bailando me provoca Quiere de mi dro, dro, droga Se pone coqueta, Se 
quiere de mi dro droga Yo la vi con alguien pero dice que está sola No sé si confundo o estoy sorda Pero pide Jack y Coca pero ella no quiere soda Diles bye, diles bye Que ya estamos high Ahora sí, porque la niña quiere todo y todo se le da. Aquí no le falta nada, aquí vale el que será. Porque yo tengo party, tenemos licor y toya activa. Puros ganadores, odiadores y dan risa. Pura champaña, pura botana, tan de pila. Puros mexicanos, millonarios, pura vida. Ella lo que quiere, quiere de mi flor. Lentes oscuros, mala situación. Nos vamos de pasón con tequila y ron. Seguimos alocados, no termina el fiestón. Quiere de mi droga, droga. Se pone coqueta, prende y enrola. is to diminish your voice, minimize what you're doing, and desanimar. I mean, that's really what's at stake. And again, you mentioned corporate media, corporate interests, imposing their views like they're used to versus a community thriving on its terms. And I'm glad that Rodrigo's brought it to our attention, and I'm glad that we can break it down. Wondering, let's let people decide on their own. What I'd like to do now is talk about community cultural capital. My book is called The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And what I would call you from my book is a cultural accelerator because you have advanced degrees. You're, you are advancing in your fields, not just one, but you keep connected to the community. And what I don't mention in the book, and I would remind people is that with your skills, your knowledge, your credentials, you could be making a ton of money in the corporate world. I'm not asking, I'm saying, <laughs> you know, a Latina bilingual with your resume could cash all that in and work at a corporate institution and quietly do what you're doing, <laughs> not have to hear some of that. So let's go through that what that connection means because the common through line is you're making decisions and influencing decisions on real budgets, but you're speaking for the community. So for example, um, let me ask you this. It may seem unrelated 
that here you have all these people losing their homes, I think you can clearly tell our audience, how does that tie into the effect or failure of the Latino bookstore? Is, is that a fair question to ask you? We've seen it through history, right? When you found yourself in history, you recognize that we as a community, by the powers that be, have continued to extract right, our labor, our language, and our land. I think of gentrification, see it, it's essentially a land grab, right? And if we continue to allow for the predatory real estate industry to take advantage of our communities, our community, my neighborhood, my, my constituents won't have access to that Latino bookstore. You know, they won't have access to the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center. They won't have access to their, their, their network because like many Latino communities, they live two houses away from Dia. Dio lives like five blocks away and it's a tight knit community. When we don't do what we can to ensure that we stabilize our neighborhoods and that our families are allowed to age in place, it's a land grab, right? Because when we think of how people build wealth, it's through land. And what we're seeing and we continue to see, whether it's, it's uh, LA, Chicago, is that our communities are constantly at risk of losing that generational wealth or the opportunity to build that generational wealth. Um, and, and it's all intertwined, right? If you demolish all of our public housing and replace it with uh, efficiencies, who's going to go to our schools? And now our schools might potentially close because they won't have the attendance to stay open. So it, it's all connected and it's all a struggle. But what we continue to do is bring community into the process. There's a teachers union here, the San Antonio Alliance, and they have this slogan, nothing about us without us. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, that we keep close to our core and ensuring when we're talking about dollars for housing, streets, um, or whatever the case may be, is that we're out in the community and talking to people at their doors about how they believe I should be advocating and allocating money. So again, right, I allow community to direct me because that's ultimately my role and that's the role of every elected official. Um, that's our terms on our terms. And I, I would also point out that clearly you can navigate a lot of these policies because of your advanced degrees, but you also do it with your corazón because you know the community. Um, one image that keeps popping to mind is, you know, a lot of us when we're little, our first job, as I say in, in my book, my first job was to translate the outside world into Spanish for my parents. No, uh, I think perhaps some of us have, have, grown outside of that or, or, or that's not the case anymore. I would argue though that your facility for language and the intellectual concept is still important because you still have to translate some of those policies, no? And and that's where I think it's helpful that my background is uh, in education. I've worked in the classroom and we also have teachers on staff, right? Because when we're having this community conversation, it's Essentially, we have little working groups, we break things down, we have our handouts, and it's not typical where when I would go to the city council meetings or like any meeting with an elected official, they're oftentimes standing in front just talking at you. Um, but what we do is we have uh, community groups and we have discussion. So a lot of our meetings, you know, we call them platicas. It's not a meeting or a town hall, it's a platica. We're having a conversation about these things. And we're entering the, we're in the middle of our budget conversations. 
And, you know, there is a lot of jargon. There's like general funds, capital funds, and just these buckets that are difficult for, um, you know, anyone to understand what's going where, because it's just so much jargon and it overlaps. But we've done a great job at giving a presentation on the budget and having those like group conversations. Everybody shares and everyone walks away with an understanding and a passion to come back to the next meeting and to ask questions. But it's it's been great. And we're seeing people who haven't typically participated in the process come in asking, how can they help us at the office? When do they need to show up to a meeting to like help us advocate for these things? It's been great breaking it down. With I'm saying this, you're not saying this. Uh, I would say that the folks who wrote the article with the opinion editorial, and let me make clear, obviously it's their opinion. And it says that in the whole format. So that's their opinion. So I'm gonna give my opinion <laughs> is that um, folks who are making those criticisms are illiterate about Latinos, which is the phrase I use in my book. My wife says it's offensive, but I'm going to use it. Uh, they're <laughs> illiterate about Latinos and they're using a corporate generalization to talk about community policies. Cause really if the folks who made that their opinion known, if they were really asking about our community being served, they should say, are the community policies of Councilwoman Castillo having an effect? And I think the answer would be yes, they are, because I hear you articulating community concerns from our community, and then I hear others trying to label it this or that. Would you say that's a fair assessment on my part? Of course, I'm not saying if you think those people are illiterate, <laughs> illiterate about <laughs> Latinos. Not, I'm, saying, I'm saying the label uh, of community plans. I, I think there is a huge disconnect because there was a, 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 another article uh, that stated that I didn't understand equity. Uh, <laughs> and this is when my district was uh, receiving the least amount of funding from the pond. So it's like, okay, well, now where's my rookie of the year award, right? Because this council member who doesn't understand equity secured more money than any other city council district. There was funding going towards a creekway that a couple, like the majority was not coming to my district, right? And I, I had questions about it. So did my senior colleagues that didn't sign that memo. But I, somehow I was the rookie who didn't understand despite, you know, me receiving the less at the time. And despite two senior council members signing the memo with me as three of us. I was the only first uh, term council member. And <laughs> somehow it was about me. But as you're breaking it down, <laughs> que conveniente que the one, the one person tagged would be you. Baby, no me llame que yo estoy ocupada olvidando tu males. Yo decidí que esta noche se sale con tu amigo tu mami con toda mi chale. Yando de
Councilman's first term. <laughs> and, and we should point out that um, Houston used to have that same system where you run for office every two years. That's a roller coaster because you implement, react to reactions, and uh -huh. then you're campaigning again. Uh, but you're, this is your first year. Yeah, we're entering year two. As soon as you're in, you're already up for re-election, essentially. It's been a lot of work. Um, but we've been doing a great job, and now there's conversations about raising the $500 do donation max to 1000 Just like, I wonder why this is conversation starting now, but it's been great, and I'm enjoying it. And, and Rodrigo, I do want to basically uh, rephrase this and make sure people are, are clear on this. Um, you know, of course, uh, our geographical headquarters for Nuestra Palabra is in Houston, uh, and of course, part of my heart's in San Antonio. Uh, Rodrigo, why was it important for you, for folks from San Antonio and Houston to hear about city councilwoman uh, Terry Castillo, as well as other cities? Because people may say, hey, I don't care. That's not my district. I think it's very important that we highlight Latinos, Latinas, especially successful Latinas like uh, Councilwoman Castillo, because it shows that these ideas, these policies do work that when you do invest and have that cultural capital, it pays off. And one of the lines that I see here is education. And when not just education for herself, but education for the community. And when you educate folks, they are empowered. Mm -hmm. And when they're empowered, they're emboldened. And that's the key right there. You're now having conversations where people don't just accept the status quo. They say, hey, why do we need a military vehicle? To, to, to take care of our communities. Why can't you assure us that this won't be used against us? Mm -hmm. You know, why, why aren't the sidewalks taken care of in my neighborhood? Why were we getting zero dollars before and now we are? And when you have those conversations, again, that emboldens folks who feel empowered because they're being educated. They have that education that, quite mm -hmm. frankly, some, some folks don't have that privilege. Uh, Councilwoman Castillo has that privilege. You yourself, Tony, has that privilege. I do too. It's incumbent on us to make sure that we go out and spread that education. Councilwoman uh, Terry Castillo is out there really fighting for her community. There's folks out there that think that they can persuade others and change the narrative from the actual victories that she's doing mm -hmm. to question it as, hey, what's going on here? So it's important that we have these voices and that we have platforms for uh, a councilwoman and others like her to go out there and really say, hey, this is what's actually happening. And this is not even opinion. These are facts. So when uh, Councilwoman Castillo's over here saying, hey, this is what happened. This is what they say. Where's my award? It's not her being, you know, uh, you know, cocky or anything. Not that she fly. No, this is her getting these victories, man. So and, and, you know, Tony, we love a strong Latina. 
Mm-hmm. Man, they, 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 and, and we know that the media and everybody else tries to portray Latinas a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had uh, Andrea Munoz on here recently, and, and she's an actress, and she talked about that representation. And it's fantastic that we have Councilwoman Castillo here now uh, really representing the best of the Latinas that are out there fighting for our communities and making sure that our voices are heard. Thank you for, for showing us the way. Um, you're going to be running in a year, it sounds like. What, what are some of your goals for the rest of the, for the, rest of the term? Housing is a top priority for our constituents, so ensuring that we uh, establish and support a deconstruction ordinance uh, is a top priority and continuing to ensure that we secure infrastructure investment for our streets, sidewalks, and drainage is definitely a priority and we look forward to continuing that work and bringing our community those material uh, wins and needs within their neighborhood. And I want to thank you for having me. This was a really great conversation. Appreciate that. Can you kindly give out all your social media uh, contacts so folks can follow you and and keep track of uh, your fantastic work? Yes, my uh, Twitter and Instagram is at 210carriecastillo, T-E-R-I dot C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O. That's Instagram, Twitter, and then my website is www.carriecastillo.com. Hey, Rodrigo, thank you for co-hosting and serving as sound engineer, brother. I appreciate that, Tony. And if I can, can I ask one last question? What is up with the sea lions or the walruses that you post on your Twitter? <laughs> Aren't they cute? Like, sometimes cool. like, that's cute on my timeline. Like, I think there's sometimes like there's a lot of like doom scrolling that people do. I'm like, I could bless people with like a cute walrus. So. <laughs> okay, just, just making sure you weren't getting hacked. Uh, frequently, that's all. <laughs> so, it's, it's, uh, thank you so much poet. for being with this, It's the poet in her. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for all you're doing. You are literally changing the world and making a big impact and helping our community. So that means a lot. We wish you continued success. And I uh, want to let folks know this has been Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say in conjunction with Latino politics and news. We hope you're enjoying it on social media watching the video on fox26houston.com, listening to the audio on 90.1 FM KPFT Houston's community station, which is listener-sponsored. So if you can go to kpft.org and make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, or Latino politics and news, I really appreciate it. Ciao. Thanks for joining us, everybody. It's Tony Diaz, Libre Traficante. See you next time. Bye. Puerto Rico, estoy, 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 de Carolina, sale reggaeton, en los huevos, de Bayamón, ey, ey. Quieren montarse en la ola y no han ido a rincón, un besito pa' abuela, en el balcón, cogiendo todos los hoyos en la Rubicón, Tierra de Maelo y Teo Calderón Y de Barea el que fue campeón <risa> Primero Calderón mm. Maldita sea, otro apagón Vamos pa' los blicheras, blicheras, blicheras Antes que a Pipo le dé un bofetón Puerto Rico está ahí Puerto Rico está ahí Pinchea Maldiva Yo me quedo en Palomino Ey, si no me voy pa' redes un saludo a mis vecinos, ey, aquí el calor es diferente, el sol está ahí, no, ey, la capital del perreo, ahora todos quieren ser latinos, no, ey, pero le falta sazón, batería y reggaetón, ey, ey, cuido con mi corillo, que somos un montón, ey, ey, 
de facto sazón, batería y reggaetón. Ey, ey, cuido con mi corillo que somos un montón, voy con tu de calentón. Soy yo. 